You are now listening to The Seedcast. This week on The Seedcast, Andrew Nault and Julia Luft welcome artist and illustrator Krista Perry to the show. Currently based in Massachusetts, Krista loves making art that is steeped in humor, bright colors, and vintage nostalgia. Her sarcastic and fun-loving style is not only apparent in her work, but the clients she attracts, including, but not limited to, Nickelodeon, Red Cap Cards, and Jameson Whiskey. In this episode, Krista touches on her sketchbooking and idea-generating process, the power of nostalgia, how growing up a misfit contributes to her work and ethic, and the unwavering motivation of mortality. So without further ado, episode 30, featuring artist and illustrator Krista Perry. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Seedcast, everyone. This is Andrew Nault hanging out with Julia Luft. Hello. Yeah. Uh, and this week, we are very excited to welcome artist and illustrator Krista Perry to the show. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, as usual, we always start out with when you started out. When did you start making art? When did it become a, a thing in your life? Oh, God. I, I definitely started when I was super young. Uh, my mom always bought me chalk and, you know, coloring books and stuff like that. And I was always like a super avid collector of like stickers and, um, mm. you know, notebooks, binders. I was a huge Lisa Frank fan. So that's kind of like where my obsession <laughs> yes. with art started um, to yeah. the point where, you know, I had a collection of stickers that I refused to use because I just found them so precious that, you know, I didn't want to waste them. Um, and also I, I just really enjoyed like collecting images from a young age, but so I didn't really know that I wanted to be an artist until about high school, you know, middle school, I was, you know, definitely still interested in it. And, you know, there were always the artistic kids and I was like, I want to do that. Like, yeah, I'm kind of jealous that, you know, the teacher's asking them to do something, you know, yeah. a little bit more creative than, you know, other tasks that kids are assigned. And I, you know, I always felt like it was a special thing. Um, but so then when high school came around, I, I took an art class and I, I just felt like it was so magical. Like I just, mm. I couldn't believe that I was able to draw and, and, mm -hmm. you know, I, then, then my obsession with like color started and, and stuff like that. And so as, you know, as I became more and more confident with it, I, I started doing commissions for people and I was like the artist of the high oh, school shit. and, um, yeah. you know, I, I just would do basic kind of, um, commissions. And then I started painting shoes, which I actually haven't talked about in a number of years. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of excited to recall that. Um, but so I would, I would buy blank vans and draw and paint on them. And it got to the point where, you know, I would obviously wear them to school and stuff. And then, you know, people kind of started asking me to do them. And I, I think I did like one or two pairs for, you know, friends that were, in the school at the time. And I don't know. And then eventually I did a Beatles mural actually at, at my high school. So it was kind of just like an ever evolving thing. Um, mm. I was a little unsure about it as a career, obviously like coming into high school, you kind of think that it's just like this fun thing that you can do. And yeah. certainly I think a lot of people still think that like, you know, outside of the art realm, like it's a hobby or whatever, but 
you know, as the art teacher at the time would like bring in, you know, kids from other call like art colleges around to kind of get our minds moving, you know, whether or not we wanted to go, it quickly turned into a thing where I just was like, Oh, like you can do this like as a job. Hmm. Like, wow, that's crazy. You know, I, I started really, really finding a lot of passion with it. And uh, my mom was always super supportive, but then it kind of got to a point where my dad was like, always kind of downplaying like, you know, what I was doing and my passion for it. And, you know, you can't make any money doing that. And Hmm. I think he, I think he held a lot of value on the starving artist um, mentality. Sure. And I totally understand, you know, like as your kids growing up, like you're a little worried about like, you know, what the future might hold for them. But I had such a passion for it that I was always told like, you need to be a doctor, you need to be a lawyer or something like that. And I just, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I was not in that mindset where I, could do that ever yeah you know and and still i you know i think about myself as a lawyer and i'm like (laughs) man i get bored so easy and i you know i would never be able to sit up straight i hunch over a lot i'm just like i'm still you know i'm there's still so many mannerisms that i hold on to from high school i i couldn't do it there's no way i could do it um and so i i just held on to that passion and you know through high school um eventually i applied to two art schools. I applied to Montserrat, which I believe is in um, Beverly, Massachusetts. And then I applied Mm -hmm. to MassArt. And for a brief moment in time, I wanted to go to RISD, but then I definitely did not have the concept of money locked down yet. And I was like, oh, it's fine. It'll be great. And then, you know, my mom was like, um, probably not a good idea (laughs) for future Krista. (laughs) Don't, don't do that. But then we actually went to um, one of those portfolio review things in Boston and there was like a line out the door for RISD and I was like, Oh, this is so cool. Like I can get my art out there and like, I can get one of them to look at it and maybe they'll want Mm -hmm. me to go. And, you know, we waited in this super long ass line and eventually I got up there and he was like ripping my portfolio apart. Oh my God. And I just was like kind of gutted, but also like, I think there was a small part of me that was like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like I can do this. This will be great. (laughs) Which strangely, I kind of have always had, like, I mean, I definitely like listen to what people say, even if they're derogatory things like growing up, like, just like, you can't do it. Like, Mm -hmm. that always sticks with you. But there was always kind of like a seed in the back of my mind that was like, if I just like, don't give a shit, and I just do it, like, it'll work. Like, I just like, I have to power through that and, you know, make it happen. And, and so that's actually one of the biggest things that inspires me is, uh, people that shit on me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yes. (laughs) I just like, I don't know, like, I definitely take it to heart and I definitely like, like it always like kind of like, you know, ruins my self-confidence a little bit, but then I'm like, I make art about it sometimes in my sketchbook. Like, I don't know if, if anyone is ever kind of giving me a hard time, like you can bet your ass there's a sketchbook page about it because it's like, it's, it's, you know, I never had a diary growing up, but through college, like the sketchbook kind of was a diary and it's just like, you know, it's continued to be that, you know, when I'm going through a rough time, whether it be, you know, someone saying something or just like personally, you know, it's always been a really cool avenue to let that anger out because how else am I going to do it? Like I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I, I just, I have a lot of fun with it. So yeah, yeah, it shows. And Thank spite you. can be such a strong motivator. Like I remember I would actively seek out professors that would 
make me cry because it oh I mean that's God. like super <laughs> dramatic but um I well it's because if if they cared enough to tell me that I wasn't doing well or that I could do better or that this wasn't as good as X, Y, or Z, then I knew that they were for real instead of just like, you know, showing up, checking a box and, and taking attendance and like, all right, right, you did you did the assignment, pass. Yeah, mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. Um, so I went to MassArt from uh, 2011 is when I graduated high school and then I graduated MassArt in 2015. And I think when I started going there, you know, I was really nervous about having a teacher that, you know, is not there to wipe your ass. Like, right. I wanted to be comfy pretty much is what right. I'm kind of get trying to get at. Right. And I think as time went on and I gained a little bit more confidence with my work, I, you know, that was starting to feel like unfulfilling. And I, you know, I wanted to find those teachers that were going to say like, this is not good. You need to try harder. Like, mm-hmm. I just think it's so much more helpful to like have that than, mm-hmm. oh, this is great every time like that's you know this is great this is great like i want to hear you know what what do you think i should be doing what do i seem like i'm lacking do i seem like i'm mm-hmm. lazy like i want to hear that kind of stuff because that's going to really motivate me in the long term totally but there's like two different ways to bring about that information in an educational standpoint i think and in my experience in college there were teachers that would critique in a way that was like, you can do better. And then there were teachers that would critique in a way that seemed like they felt threatened by somebody's level of like creativity. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they would kind of like shit on it and not offer any solution. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you're like, (laughs) that's, that's such an interesting, yeah. I, well, I mean, when you graduate, you're going to be their competition. So it's like, Right. That's got to that you know that's got to be it. But I mean, nobody is benefiting from that other than them and letting their anger out. <laughs> right. you, yeah. Like, yeah. maybe yeah. get a therapist or something. Like, maybe, <laughs> maybe look inward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think through COVID, like I've learned a lot about like the mental bullshit that people play with you. Like, mm-hmm. I I think I I you know I'm so used to kind of being talked down to you know, growing up and, and being told like, you can't do this. And then, and then I'm, I'm realizing like, this is all projection. Like, Mm. and, and as I'm going through life, like I'm realizing a lot of it, like from other people too, is just projection. And it's like, I'm going to stay where I'm going. I'm going to stay in my lane and just Mm -hmm. focus on, you know, my goals, where I want to be, what's going to make me happiest. And I feel like I found a lot of success in that. Um, Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think going to art school and then coming out of art school is obviously terrifying because you don't, you know, you don't know where you're going to go. You don't know how things are going to work out. And, you know, I, I did feel a lot of um, competition when I was in school. And then as my confidence kind of grew, I pushed that to the wayside and just kind of focused on myself. And, you know, that's, that's still where I am now. It's, it's staggering when I step back and kind of think about, you know, how many artists are out in the world, but you know, I almost, I almost find comfort in ignoring that. Like I, I find Mm -hmm. the phrases ignorance is bliss. It's like, I just try and forget about that and don't compare myself to anyone and don't think like, Oh, this person's doing that. That's what I should be doing. You know, like I, I realize that like everything takes time and like Mm -hmm. within time, like you grow and grow and grow and, I don't know. I just think that's a really important lesson for all artists to just like kind of take your time and like 
pay attention to what you you specifically are doing because nobody's story is the same so yeah right yeah and it's it's also hard when I don't know, you're trying to find what's comfortable for you and what's sort of specific to you, sort of going back to what you're saying of like not trying to compare yourself to people and not trying to do what other people do. It's like you want to find those things that are yours and that feel nice, but then how do you use that but also push past it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where it's like Mm -hmm. you're you're staying true to what you want to be making and what you want that sound to look like, what you want that, you know, aesthetic to be or whatever but still be pushing yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, how, Mm -hmm. how do you find that balance? Yeah. I actually felt like I learned so much more after graduating from art school than I did at art school. I think when I was there, you know, I was set up with all the foundational, like, you know, understanding like how the business works and, you know, all the different things that you need to think about in order to get jobs. And, you know, when I graduated, I was really intimidated because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I just knew, like, you know, I knew, I knew the like type of artists that I kind of wanted to fit in with. I knew the kind of companies I wanted to work with and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It was just a matter of kind of figuring out how to get their attention or how to just show, show what I'm capable of, which is, you know, very intimidating when you're leaving school and you're not having that, um, all those extra sets of eyes looking at your stuff and, you know, willing to offer, um, a critique or, or how to improve. Um, and so when I got out of college, I went back to my small hometown and I, I was working at a grocery store at the time, which was, um, absolutely soul crushing. And, um, (laughs) actually my last day of work, I punched in, was there for five minutes and an old man shit himself in front of me. What? Whoa. And to this day, I wonder why the heck I did not just punch back out. And leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went for shit. the whole shift and I felt so <laughs> sick the whole time. <laughs> I felt like I was going to vom the whole oh, time. Oh, man. Oh, Grocery God, stores just, are whack. Yeah, they it's really are. It's a weird are. fucking um, job. Great, great people watching, though. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But, but yeah, I just. I was like, I I need to make this work for me because <laughs> this is unbelievable. I, yeah. I just, you know, I, I really, I really like felt motivated from that as, as strange as that might sound. But so when I was done with school, I, I moved back home and, you know, I had this dead end job that was like really making me not feel very good about myself. And um, I was exhausted and, but I, I was also finding motivation in that. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's really important because like, if you're maybe in a situation where you're not happy, it'll make you feel like a little bit more inclined or a little bit more powerful to get like, you know, where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And so that was all also like a huge motivating thing for me. And like, you know, the customers that were jerks, like another motivating thing, like just, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, always fueling me. But, um, so I worked there, I quit, and then I finally moved back to Boston. And um, my boyfriend, Rob, and I were just kind of, you know, floating through life, trying to figure out what was next. And um, right as I moved to Boston, Red Cap Cards actually contacted me, um, which was crazy because, you know, it was it was just such a reach client for me. And to contact them, I sent them like this really nice note and, you know, some postcards with examples of my work and mm-hmm. kind of like the classic way that MassArt sort of teaches you to to be in touch with a company. And, you know, it was really helpful because, you know, them seeing my physical work on the postcards kind of made them 
want to look at my website and see what else I had to offer. And it's kind of like a snowball effect. Um, Mm -hmm. But so Redcap hit me up like right before I moved to Boston. And actually, I just realized I never said what Redcap is. They're a Los Angeles stationery company and they do greeting cards, wrapping paper, gift bags, things of that nature. Um, And Mm. so it was totally a reach client for me. And so when they reached out, I was just like, what? Like, how is this possible? This is insane. Um, And so, you know, I waited until we were all moved in and then we sat down and we talked and they only wanted a handful of cards. I believe it was 12. But so like my true nature of like working myself to the bone, I, I, I sent them like way more sketches than they wanted. And we actually ended up doing 24 cards, I think. Um, Oh shit. (laughs) Yeah, it was, uh, it was like, staggering, you know, it was my first like, I I mean, I had a couple, I had a couple illustration jobs before this, but it felt like my first like career defining kind Mm -hmm. of um, opportunity. So I was really intimidated by it. Um, And, you know, I didn't quite know my routine as far as making art goes, I I was a little bit flustered by, you know, wanting to make everything perfect, but also like, Mm. how do I do this in a timely manner? And at that point I was working at a Starbucks, which was also extremely soul crushing, if you can believe it. (laughs) Um, Totally. And so that was, you know, that was tough. And since rent was quite high in Boston, you know, I was working a lot and, you know, it was very, very tiring. And so just trying to, you know, do that and balance art and make sure that I'm putting most of my effort, like I kind of would turn into a zombie at work, like get through that. And then I would, the real me would come out, like when I would go Mm -hmm. home and like Mm. slave away at these, um, you know, it took, it took a while to get all this work done, but when it was done, I was really proud of it. It was the strongest, you know, collection of work I felt that I'd done. And it was, you know, a huge portfolio builder. It it was Mm. work with a reputable brand and I don't know, it just, it felt very um, solidifying. Um, And so when that finished, they actually surprised me with a trip to Los Angeles to celebrate the launch of the cards. And it just was so, you know, mind blowing going from, you know, living in a small hometown and just feeling like it was such a pipe dream to like be an artist and then finally getting recognized to the point where I could Mm -hmm. like go and physically meet these people that I just worked almost a year with. Mm. And it was just, it was so cool. Um, they, they really like have taken care of me throughout the years and they all just feel like such family members, you know, it's, mm. it's really cool. Um, you know, most of our communication has been through email, but here and there it's like phone calls and FaceTimes, but it's just like the bond that we've made is just so crazy. And so from there, like, you know, when my red cap, stuff came out the momentum was kind of like building and building and building and other companies would start reaching out and um Mm. i actually just finished a whole new collection with them um we started work in december 2020 and then i finished all of them by end of february 2021 so you know now all those new products are going to be launching um i believe at the end of july so i'm i'm really excited about them and i i feel you know, so much better about them just because like the first one was obviously like years ago and I just feel like I've grown so much. And the project itself was really fun, like in any aspect, because I just, like I said earlier, like really learned like my routine, um, Mm -hmm. where I just would send them a lot of thumbnails and stuff. And then they would kind of like 
pick through them and we would see what was working and what wasn't. And then I would come at them with like more put together thumbnails. Like the, the first ones are kind of quick. And then, you know, I do another round of like tighter drawings and then colors. And then we kind of go from there and then I just go mm. straight to final. So mm -hmm. it's been a tremendous uh, experience working with them and, um, you know, kind of getting to know myself as an artist too. Mm -hmm. So it's so interesting that you say getting to know yourself as an artist through that. Cause I remember you in school and it always kind of seemed like you kind of knew what you were doing. Um, I, I don't know if you felt <laughs> that way or not, but, it, to say, but I felt like, <laughs> I felt like I was like, I don't know what I'm doing every single day. Like I just, I don't know. I just would get in my head a lot, but also, like I said earlier, like still feel that motivation to like get shit done and, and, mm. and do things. But I, I think Maybe I seemed that way because there was structure around me, but then when sure. it, when the structure was gone, I definitely felt like I was like scrambling a bit to like <laughs> lock everything down and like mm -hmm. find my new, you know, my new comfort and my new life because mm -hmm. like now mass art was a huge part of my life and now it's not there. Right. Um, but also like a lot that has helped me has uh, been my sketchbook work. And uh, mm. so when I was, when I was a junior, I feel like I'm going all around, like I'm like, none, none of it's in <laughs> order. But um, so when I was a junior at MassArt, I was like super bad at sketchbooking. And a couple times it was like a required thing for homework. And I always felt really forced in that way. Like I understand why, you know, why teachers thought that it was important to carry a sketchbook and be observing from life, but it was never something I was like hugely into. And, um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I, I always felt like I'm just going to get this done and out of the way. So I don't have to think about it because mm -hmm. it just felt like a really like pressured thing. But I always thought that a sketchbook could only be pencil and graphite or graphite and, um, charcoal. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Scott Bacall brought his sketchbooks in and, I, my mind was like blown wide open because I just never knew that you could put paint in a sketchbook. I just thought that there was like this unspoken rule that you must only do thumbnails in a sketchbook. Like you can't mm. do, you know, fuller pieces. Mm -hmm. And so when he brought his sketchbooks in, I just couldn't believe that, you know, sketchbooks can handle paint. They can handle mm -hmm. like all this texture and like, you can glue things in it. You can collage, you can draw, you can paint. Like it just, it really like blew my mind right, right open. Like I, I mm. just couldn't believe it. Um, and so that's kind of where I started to discover my, my style because mm. prior to that, you know, I was getting all these assignments for homework and I was like, not feeling good about them because they weren't mm. getting to where I needed them to be. Like in my head, they looked a certain way. And then, you know, I, I pin them up on the board for critique and they just look like shit. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh, okay. Like I thought this was better than it was. And here we are. <laughs> but so the, the, I just felt like this, like, you know, as time went on, like through senior year, I was flying through sketchbooks and it just felt like, you know, I was starting to understand the colors that I liked, the mark making I liked. Um, just in general, it was great practice. And I, I felt like really solid in that. And even to this day, like I love working in my sketchbook. I, I think I heard in a previous episode that you, Julia, you like to um, add like your extra paint 
Mm -hmm. to your sketchbook that's I do that too it's when I'm when I'm working on like a solid piece I have a really bad habit of mixing way too much paint and of course it's such a waste of money to just you know throw it away (laughs) so luckily since I work like I typically work in all the same colors like you know I don't feel bad like spreading them in my sketchbook for later yeah in fact I actually have a sketchbook that's pretty much completely full but just with flat color like I still need to go back and like do the thing to each page if that makes sense um that's so inviting yeah it's almost like um like i'm setting up a foundation for myself kind of Mm. and it's just so much easier to get going on it than you know when the page is just white (laughs) like i just you know it could be anything but it's been really helpful i think like uh going back to something that you said earlier about feeling like you didn't know what you were doing to me, in any type of creative anything, the people that seem like they know what they're doing are the people that know how to motivate themselves to keep trying. That's literally yes, it. yeah. You know what I, I, mean? I honestly like sometimes I feel really lucky. Like I know it's not luck. I it's something I don't know. It's some kind of chemical balance in my head, technically <laughs> that that keeps me going. But I feel really lucky that I've been able to keep the momentum. Like I just. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a huge book collection of just things that inspire me, uh, artists that inspire me. I, I spend a lot of time on Instagram to my to my detriment. Um, <laughs> I just I find a lot of in- Instagram uh, inspiration on Instagram, and and it's not always just artists. You know, sometimes it's a beautiful image, sometimes it's music, sometimes it's um, actually I've been into looking at cake decoration lately. Um, a lot of people (laughs) seem to be really into that um just like the color and like different piping methods that you can do i don't know i just i just find motivation in that and just Mm. you know even Mm -hmm. a good color like i'll see a good color and i'm like oh i gotta make some art real quick (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i don't know i don't know it's just it's i try to i try to take from like everything that's around me a little bit Mm mm-hmm I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's nice to be alive. So I kind of am motivated by that. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a great motivator. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know. I just, I keep going. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, as far as like putting it through your work though, it's like, that's what makes it yours is that these are Mm -hmm. all the things that you like. And these are the things that you're passionate about and that like make you excited to be alive, whether it be Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Like, I love all of the sarcasm that's in your work. Like, it's, oh, it's thank just, you so I don't much. know. Like, mm-hmm. I can tell that it's just super authentic. Like, this is just you engaging in the things that you like, painting in the ways that you like to paint. And just like, it, I don't know. It, I, I can see the joy in it. Yeah. No, I totally uh, agree. And I think um, my sense of humor, like, I've always felt like, you know, a funny person growing up. Like, and I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's made its way into my art. And I think that's probably my favorite part about it is I love saying like, I love making a commentary about like someone being an asshole or just like a random phrase that pops into my head. I don't know. I just, mm-hmm. I, I actually um, have been looking on my phone cause I, I have a lot of notes that I write and I'm like, Oh, that's going to be an art piece someday. And like, that's going to be an art piece. And like, I have a whole note of just fun phrases that I want to paint. Cause I also love doing hand lettering. Oh, here's a quote from, um, uh, good burger. 
that I want to let her. <laughs> what in the name of ground beef is going on? Like, <laughs> it's so good. And like, yeah. you know, I, I hear things and, and songs like the phrase starry eyed lover or, um, sha la la la, like just like little things that I, I, I listen to and I hear and, um, I also have Dr. Phil's number one fan on here. Um, <laughs> just like it's absolute nonsense, and I don't know where it comes from, but I love it. Daddy went crazy. Uh, <laughs> um, pastrami mommy, salami mommy. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like I sound insane now, but um, I don't know. I just, I my mind's always racing. Even if I'm trying to relax, like I'm, my mind's just, what can I do next? What can I do next? And I feel like, I feel like we're in an age where like a lot of people need to just like chill and like take a break. And I think that's great, but I don't know. I just, I I can't, (laughs) I just feel like, I I feel like if I take like five minutes off, like I will forget what I'm, you know, trying to do or something like that. But at the same time, I do think it's really important to, you know, take some time to recharge. Um, and I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of where my, some of my ideas come from. And I don't know, I, I've, um, dabbled a little bit in pot smoking. Um, <laughs> and I realized that, uh, I can't do legitimate painting when I'm mm-hmm. high, Same. but I can do sketchbook stuff and I can draw mm. and come yep. up with like my concepts and stuff. Yep. Um, mm. I think I just become like, like my motor functions are like shot when I'm yeah. doing that. And I just like mixing paint. I just feel like I would just sit there and like, just like watch the colors swirl. And, like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> things like that. Yeah. And I'm like, Whoa, that's pretty cool. And then I forget about like, you know, the task at hand, like the painting, yeah. the actual painting aspect of it. But um, yeah, I can draw, I but I can't paint. I yeah. and like it's it's really funny <laughs> like looking through my sketchbook I can definitely see the difference where it's like this is your brain and this is your brain on drugs <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the lines are different yeah <laughs> yeah it's, so it's actually really funny I was I was against um weed uh, like a lot in college and honestly mm-hmm. like I think my I had my first drink when I was like maybe 20 and I felt like the worst person on earth and it was fox wine and i just was like oh i like i just i just did a really bad thing i don't like to like advertise that i like to smoke weed or like because i always feel like that's real cheesy like the 420 culture is like not what i'm Mm. all about but Mm -hmm. i don't Mm -hmm. know i recently like a couple years ago kind of started smoking weed and it really helped a lot with my anxiety and um Sometimes it doesn't, but most of the times <laughs> yep. it does. And um, I don't know. It's just kind of helped me come into my own a little bit more with, with art. And I know I feel like a solid artist no matter what, but like sometimes it makes me like back up a couple steps and like really think about, you know, what I'm doing here and mm-hmm. come up with more ideas and, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's been mm-hmm. nice. It's been nice. I think as far as like the like slowing down aspect or like, the like chill and recharge. I understand where everybody's coming from, especially now given the space that COVID has given a lot of people to like 
chill for a second. Not that mm-hmm. a pandemic is chill, but like, you know what <laughs> exactly. I mean? Exactly. Where <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the world kind of shut down for a little bit. And so, you know, you're, you're forced inside your home. And so you're forced to take a break. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, I don't want a 40 hour work week anymore. I don't want mm-hmm. to, uh, I don't know. I, I don't want my world to revolve around all of those things that it once did. And I feel like now that we're coming back, people are being protective of that time. And I totally understand oh, and respect absolutely. that. But mm-hmm. I don't want to slow down. I like, I'm, I've felt like a caged animal and I've, I'm getting really annoyed with people being like, oh yeah, like definitely just like enjoy your time and, and don't let internalized (laughs) capitalism destroy you. And I'm like, taking a break destroys me. Like I, and as far as the like recharge portion, that's like research and idea generation. Like taking Mm -hmm. a break is not putting paint to paper every day but I'm still thinking about it and I like mm-hmm. it that way. I would never mm-hmm. be able to like completely remove myself from making things or thinking about mm-hmm. them. I totally yeah. agree. I actually think the recharging part has come in my personal life, like far more. Like it's made me realize like people that I maybe need to weed out and mm-hmm. you know, right. things that shouldn't affect me as much as they have in the past. And it's definitely like taking a break has super affected my personal life. But like, as far as like artwork goes and like what I'm all about there, like I, I completely agree. And I, it, it mm-hmm. is unfortunately an industry that constantly requires hustle. And, you know, I, I, I'm kind of in a lull right now with work and that makes me feel a little bit panicked. But at the same time, I know that if I like keep generating things, like companies will see that and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it kind of goes full circle. Um, So during COVID, I was actually really, really nervous about, you know, continuing to get work. And through COVID, I actually worked on one of my biggest projects ever, which to this day, I am just amazed by it. Um, Mm. So one night in October, um, I was eating dinner. And one of my things that I came through with COVID was just put your phone down. Don't be like responding to emails at like nine o'clock at night because like that's dumb. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But in this case, (laughs) in this case, I pushed it aside. I was eating dinner and I looked at my phone and it said, Hey, we're from Nickelodeon. We're wondering, you know, if you have an opportunity, like if you have Hmm. um, any open space to be working on a logo with us. And I was like, (gasps) like, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Like, I, I like, I, you know, I try not to I try not to freak out, but when I saw the word Nickelodeon, that all went out the window and <laughs> I had a little bit of a freak out. Um and <laughs> yeah, so so they were kind of ambiguous about, you know, what they wanted help with. And I, I I mean I just immediately emailed them and I just was like, Yes, please just send any, you know, any details you have. Um and then the next day we talked a bit more. And, and, you know, meanwhile, I'm like, I'm talking to Rob and I'm like, oh my God, what if it's something SpongeBob? What if it's something this? Like, like, what could it be? <laughs> like, we're just like trying to like, you know, guess where it's going to go. And and so the next right. day they emailed me and they were like, we need a logo for a SpongeBob spinoff called the Patrick Star <laughs> yes. Show. And I like, oh, when shit. I say I, I had a panic attack yeah. and like, freaked, so cool. like, 
So, so long story short, like SpongeBob's been like my favorite thing ever. Like I grew up with it and like their humor is just like molded me into kind of the person that I am today. And, you know, Patrick's always been my favorite cause he's like Hell the yeah. lovable idiot that just like <laughs> drools in the corner. And like, <laughs> I, I just like, I see a lot of his humor and you know, who I am. And so I just, you know, when they said that I was like, Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. And I, you know, meanwhile, I'm trying to remain like as professional as possible. And <laughs> yeah. Just, like, yeah. Seem like this is like a routine thing for me and just, you know, but so yeah, we, we hopped in a zoom call and I'm like, hi, <laughs> like, I'm just like, hello, like showing yeah. all my teeth and just like trying to seem normal. But, um, <laughs> so in in the meeting you know they were you know that we were kind of talking about like how this was going to work and technically I was like an employee for Nickelodeon for a little while mm-hmm. it was like yes. a work for hire opportunity and I felt a little bit of pressure because they did indicate that there were people that were also working towards the logo and like we weren't sure like kind of oh. who would be doing it I was it was like a little bit of a I don't want to say competition but uh that's what I felt like it was yeah I was like well I mean it's really cool that they're asking me to do this like I have something that they want and mm-hmm. I was trying really hard not to get flustered by it and um the show should be out by the time this airs. So I think I can share. Um, it's it's a show about Patrick in the 70s when he like lived with his parents <laughs> uh, <laughs> but before he lived next door to SpongeBob. No. Um, so when they said 70s, yes. I kind of shit myself a little bit because, you know, that's what I do. I'm, I'm like yeah. very um, like my style is a little displaced in 2021. I mean, even though it's like a really popular kind of, you know, everyone loves seventies and sixties stuff now. And I think they always Mm -hmm. will, but, um, it felt like such an honor that, you know, they Mm -hmm. thought that I would be an appropriate choice for that. And so basically Patrick has a TV show and it's from his bedroom and he performs for his family. And, um, you know, they're telling me vibes like, um, Johnny Carson and they were like, think Herb Alpert and the Tijuana brass. And I'm like, I fucking listen to them like (laughs) by myself. Like they're like cheesy (laughs) sixties cocktail party music. And I fucking listen to it when I'm working. And I'm just like, you want me to listen to this for this project, but I already listened to it. And it's, it just, it felt like they were asking Such you to be strange, you. Strange, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just yeah. was like, "This is so weird and cool. Like, I don't have to do anything to change myself, or yep. I don't know. Like, I just I felt really, really honored by it. And so, with my nature of doing more work than I need to, I, I, I really like, I really, really wanted to nail this down. And you know, obviously, it's such an honor to work with Nickelodeon and in any realm. But for myself, I really wanted to make sure that you know, they were going to choose one of my logos. And so I, mm. I kind of like put my work ethic to the max. Like I like brought it up a couple more steps and just banged it out. And it, it was a lot of nerve wracking waiting, just, you know, hearing back and like seeing what needed to be tweaked and, you know, rounds of revisions and stuff like that. And so I, I was trying real hard not to get like faked out if I didn't hear from them for a week mm-hmm. or something like right. that. Um, right. And so Ultimately, I ended up working out, and I just uh, still can't believe it. Um, That's fucking badass. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. 
thank you. I so now whenever I'm in a store and I see something Patrick, I'm like, ah, uh, my little friend. <laughs> like, I have to like go up to it and just I don't know. I'm hoping that they'll come out with toys and like maybe the packaging will like have the um, the logo mm. or something on it. But um, yeah, the show the show uh, premieres July 9th, I believe. I'm not sure what time. Probably like I don't know eight or nine. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna try and go to my mom's house and watch the premiere. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Holy shit. Congratulations. That's that's, that's awesome. Thank you so much. I I definitely, you know, still kind of feel like I'm coming down from it a bit, even though the work in November. Let it ride. Let it ride. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so cool, you know. And and Nickelodeon was just such a, a pivotal part of my my childhood, mm, like that. Sure. And and of course the grotesque close-ups of the SpongeBob and and actually I think it happened first in Ren and Stimpy, big time. And then yep. and then like a lot of the same people probably worked on SpongeBob, and so like you know those things really like molded me into the person that I am today. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really cool. <laughs> Yeah, whoever did the recruiting on that one fucking nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they actually yeah. I I always like I like to ask clients like how they hear of me just just out of mm-hmm. curiosity because mm-hmm. you know, any email I get, I'm like, You want me? Are you sure you want me? You me? <laughs> yeah, I'm like how the fuck did this work out? Right. Um, so I believe they said one of the people that work in their studio follows me on Instagram and thought that I would be a good fit and I I don't know I don't know who they are but thank you very much. yeah hell yeah yeah <laughs> I love you and I owe you dinner somewhere <laughs> <laughs> wow that is crazy yeah. damn thank you <laughs> it's just like I feel like I keep trying to talk to my younger self because that is such a time of like unlimited creativity and Mm -hmm. like unapologetic enjoyment of like you like the things you like and people don't make fun of you for it yet and there's like (laughs) yeah right (laughs) keyword Um, yeah (laughs) yeah um and so you don't care (laughs) when you're like three years old and um this is so full circle where it's like you enjoyed spongebob growing up and that's such a formative show for us generationally mm-hmm. and i don't know it's like your childhood self coming and like patting you mm-hmm. on the back and being like we did I it know. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah like i i actually think about that a lot because i i just feel like i don't know i had i had such a weird childhood and and a lot of it's really personal but i don't know growing up like i definitely felt like an outcast at school and mm-hmm. you know i had my group but then when high school came around i feel like i really excelled but i got made fun of a lot in middle school it's just like i was really obsessed with green day and and Hell my yeah. chemical romance and stuff like that and so it's just like it was always like the easy person to kind of target and so yeah. i just feel like i like won or something because i just kept <laughs> yeah. being krista perry instead of yeah. just like denying Conforming. my interests or something yeah. yeah yeah so it's it just it feels um really refreshing too hell yeah yeah i don't know i like look back at pictures of me and i'm like god you are so weird and awkward and, <laughs> and they were kind of right but i'm glad you didn't listen to them yeah, yeah. But that's, we talk about it a lot. It's all about leaning into your vibe. That's literally mm -hmm. like 
you got to lean way into your vibe. Like and, limbo. And let that, limbo yeah. into your vibe. Like <laughs> totally. really bend backwards. Into totally. It. You know, that that's the thing is like everything, you know, everything has a, a possibility of failing. But if you like think that way, then you're never going to do anything. So like mm-hmm. failure is totally guaranteed. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just interesting. So yeah. weird. Kind of lean into it. Yeah. Uh, judging by who you listened to in middle school, uh, we would have been friends for sure. <laughs> yes, I was definitely. also weird and awkward and like got sent home because of my Green Day shirt. And like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. That's so funny. Uh, suburbia. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, a lot of my music influences have changed through the years. And um, so middle school, I was like, Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco, My yeah, we Romance, Green Day. Yeah. Like <laughs> Paramore. I was obsessed with Paramore. Mm-hmm. Um, but ne- then in high school, I was super obsessed with the English band Keen. Whoa. Yeah. Very different. Um, but like, they inspired me so much to be an artist and I, I always like love the album art that they would come out with and um, you know, green day, my chemical romance, all of them plus keen. Like that's kind of where I started getting interested in portraiture and stuff like that. Hmm. When I was in high school, I actually painted a bag with the members of keen on it and I, I still have it in my closet. Um, but <laughs> I painted a bag with them on it and I like went to one of their shows early and then I got to meet them beforehand and I was like freaking the fuck out and they, they signed it and everything for me. But it just like, it was like another motivator that showed me like art is really cool and people appreciate it. And like, mm-hmm. it makes you feel good. And also it's letting you do things that, you know, you've always dreamed of art and music are so similar. And a lot of my motivation comes from music. You know, it's 50, 50 visual and like audio, like, just like mm-hmm. looking at art books and listening to music and stuff like that. It's like, you feel like something's like coming alive in you when you like find that band that you really like, or that song that you keep playing like mm-hmm. over and over again. So it's mm-hmm. really cool. And, and I don't know, we just, we have such an unlimited amount of motivation and inspiration and materials. And there's so much to be inspired by <laughs> like history yeah current events, um, you know, pop culture, all those things. So, well, I'm curious. Uh, I know for me, like I'll write a whole album based off of one thing of inspiration. It'll be like, Mm -hmm. I found some movie or something. And then it's like, I have a whole idea and I have to write a whole record's worth of shit to get rid of the idea or like get past it. How Mm -hmm. often do you recycle your inspiration are you like one and done and you move on like how how does that stuff last for you i i have a whole collection of finished sketchbooks that i sometimes cycle through because i'm like you know not feeling like drawing but definitely feel like appreciating something if that makes sense mm-hmm. and um i mean not not currently there's nothing that i'm kind of recycling but like i will go through those and and you know notice things that i maybe didn't notice before and um, right or I'll, I'll feel like, I'll feel like a piece was maybe done long ago. And like, I would want to see like what it would look like now, now that I feel like I'm a little bit more, um, developed because mm-hmm. a lot of my work, like I still think holds value and I, you know, I want to hold on to it, but I feel like skill set wise, I'm so past it that like, 
I definitely think there are a couple things that I, I want to redo. Right. And actually, there's one, one of the red cap cards that I have coming out was a birthday card, a handmade birthday card that I made for someone, my friend Ellie, uh, years ago. She was showing me she still has it. And I, I looked at it and I was like, holy shit, this would like make an amazing like real like birthday card out in the wild. And so I, I sent a picture of it to Red Cap and they agreed. And I, hmm. I got to recreate that birthday card that I That's made so for cool. Ellie so many years ago. Yeah. And, you know, now it'll be available like in stores and, and stuff like that. So I definitely don't like, I don't ever shoot anything. Like, I mean, I'm definitely past my high school work. I never want to touch that again. <laughs> never want to like <laughs> ever go near that again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I'm always regenerating ideas. I don't have any specific examples of it other than that birthday card. But, you know, I'm always like looking at past ideas and trying to kind of like pull something from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still feel like I'm taking the things that excited me when I was like 13 and being like, mm-hmm. well, how do I do that? How do I do that now? Mm-hmm. Like, how does that, how does that happen in my brain now? You know, mm-hmm. I think that if you can continue to feel excited by an idea that you should always chase it, you know, mm-hmm. I agree. And, yeah. and like the same rings true to music. Like I, I am still so into the album Pretty Odd by Panic at the Disco. Like I, that was like huge for me in high school. Like I would make art about that album constantly. And I really liked the album art that they had for it. And I still feel motivated by the music when I listen to it. Like, even though I feel like maybe a little bit past it maturity wise, Mm -hmm. or, you know, someone will judge me if I tell them I listen to this. Like it shouldn't, that shit doesn't matter. Like it, yeah. I don't know if you find value in it, then find value in it. Like let yourself feel that. Like I, I just, I don't know. There's no sense in denying yourself anything that will bring you joy Mm -hmm. as long as nobody's getting hurt by it. (laughs) (laughs) I also feel like it's, you're allowed to, to find a different type of comfort in those things that you needed when you were that age you know Mm -hmm. and so like I needed my chemical romance in a certain way growing up because I very similarly I you know I had my friends but um not much outside of that and um I I feel like that's like why a lot of us are drawn to these things though is because Mm -hmm. you know maybe we're a little bit of an outsider and so we turn to our headphones or our sketchbooks or like you know I would draw under a tree during recess because I'd like didn't fuck with the other kids and it's like so i i got to spend like a lot of intimate time with this band and i needed it Mm. in that kind of way and then when i went to mass art and started studying illustration i turned back to that album and all the artwork was done by james jean who i learned about separately and Mm. then it just was so full circle to me where i was like this thing that I loved when I was like 12 is now finding its way back to me in a different way when I'm 20. That's got to mean something, you know? Like even if my taste has changed or if it's developed or if my palate's more whatever the fuck, it it matters in a different way, but it still matters. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think that there's still something super magical every time I revisit it. But again, mm-hmm. it's it's I have different ears, but a same sort of like chest feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's so much power in nostalgia too, 
And mm. I think that's like a huge thing that really motivates me. It's just like, I almost feel like each stage of my life I've collected, like, like I was so obsessed with the Spice Girls when I was like seven, but I'm still <laughs> obsessed with them. And I actually, this actually answers your question earlier, Andrew, like my mom gave me an image, like a drawing that I did in like, I would say first grade, maybe kindergarten. I don't know. I don't know what ages are. I don't, I was like, I was like seven maybe when I, when I drew it, but it's a drawing that I did of myself laying in front of the Spice Girls, like behind me. (laughs) And like, (laughs) it's obviously a garbage drawing, but it's so funny and cute. (laughs) And, um, I actually like, I, so I have it and I want to do, I want to do like a legit painting of the Spice Girls just because I, like, I've always found motivation in their music and like the way that they make me feel and the nostalgic part of it. Mm -hmm. But so I was, I was, I've been toying with this idea for forever and I want to do a painting now and then put it side by side, even though there's like no comparison. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm always borrowing from the past Um, or, you know, things that have tickled my fancy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's all we are is just a collection of experiences. Exactly. Music definitely has that ability to, to like transport you back immediately. Mm. Like there are certain memories I have attached Mm -hmm. to specific records that feel like they happened five minutes ago, Mm -hmm. but then my grandmother gave me like a gigantic box of photos recently from like all the decades, you know, of me being alive. And I've been going through those and just being like, I don't remember any of this, but then there are certain memories where it's like, I remember this because this song was playing. Mm. You know what I mean? Wow. I think memory is so crazy. And like, you can like, everything is associated with that. Like even scent. Like when I catch a whiff of like my grandmother's scent, I'm like, whoa and then i think about her you know it's it's just so it's just so interesting Mm -hmm. but that's that's really cool it's been it's been wild like 90s were a funny time (laughs) yeah i yeah i just yeah yeah, that was around the time that i was like really obsessed with like nickelodeon and like all that and like the amanda show and just you know growing that sense of humor that has finally bubbled over (laughs) there's also something super comforting about it too where like Mm -hmm. it is nice to think that we do kind of have this like collective conscience of Mm -hmm. um that generation of nickelodeon of Mm -hmm. i don't know the 90s i mean as somebody who was born later on in the 90s i experienced it differently but it still definitely had its imprint um well what's super interesting about that time the 80s and 90s in terms of like entertainment and television is there wasn't unlimited options mm. right so most kids grew up That's a good point. watching the same shit or like families yeah, would get together like, yeah I, and watch I totally the same agree. fucking show everybody yep. mm-hmm. in america that had kids was probably watching fucking tgif in the 90s mm-hmm. you know what yeah. i mean that doesn't exist anymore and now it's there's like, like 600 options on netflix and, and, and nothing to watch like yeah rob and i pay for like all these like services and it's just like we can't ever find anything and then we don't bother yeah you know Mm -hmm. we just put like a record on or something it's just it's content overload um but so going back to like the memory thing i actually have um 
I have a box that I call the fun shit box and it's just like where I dump like all my like little goodies from like, I don't know, things that my mom has given me from my childhood or like stickers I've collected, photographs I've collected, all this, all this stuff. And it's just, it's so fun to go through it. And I feel like I find like a lot in it that I don't expect. And then I feel inspired to, to do something mm. with it. Um, mm mm-hmm. Like right now, one of my side projects is just organizing all of my sticker collection. Like I have a a book for it and I I just, I like collecting things a lot and I swear Mm -hmm. I'm not a hoarder, but um, maybe (laughs) someday I will be. (laughs) I actually Um, had a, well, I just have a, cause I I saw that you use some like collaged elements in your mm -hmm. sketchbook and I wanted to know where you find that source material. Cause all of those like vintage magazines are so cool. Yeah. So when COVID happened, I was getting like, I just felt like, what am I going to do now? Like I'm home all the time now. I mean, I had quit my job in October before COVID hit and then COVID hit Mm -hmm. and I was just like, okay, well now I need a spare time kind of thing to do. And, um, I hopped on eBay actually. And I, I just, um, you know, Googled like, you know, all the women's home ladies home journal, you know, vintage mm. magazines with all the ads and, and stuff in it. Like I've spent way too much money on, on magazines and stuff <laughs> like that, but um, I'll like snip them all up and then get more and snip those up and then get more. And like, now I just have like a massive stockpile and like, I need to like actually do something with them. But I very like kind of like skimmed the surface of collage recently. And, you know, I've been adding more and more to my sketchbooks and I just think it's really interesting to combine like, a happy image from like the sixties with like some kind of like snarky saying or hand lettering mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that. Um, and that's, that's actually been really fun. Um, cause it takes the pressure away from like doing a perfect drawing first mm-hmm. or something. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like being creative, but not like overpowering my brain by like overthinking a drawing or, yep. you know, colors or anything like that. Um, but so, yeah, it's been, it's been really fun and like a, like a really cool like little side hobby sometimes i'll just like if i don't have anything going on in the day i'll just like sit down with a magazine and watch something like while i'm cutting it up and just like you know organize all the little pieces that i get from it so it's really Mm. cool yeah it feels like sampling and music yeah exactly like i i don't know i i've I've been playing around a lot with materials because i've um i don't know i feel like painting has gotten stale just mm-hmm. like material wise because it's so straightforward of like paint to paper you mix colors and that is painting um and so mm-hmm. uh i started working at a farm this summer and um we had to clear out a, a section of the greenhouse that had a bunch of poppies in it oh cool yeah we were just gonna like pretty much just stomp over all of them to like kill that area so that we could plant something else and um the other people that i worked with we were like we're just going to stomp on all these beautiful flowers. And so we just like panicked and started picking as many as possible. Um, and in, in afternoon, very similarly, I didn't want to draw or paint or anything, but I still wanted to like do something that felt creative. And so I pressed hundreds of flowers wow. mm-hmm. and it's, it's sort of that feeling of like 
preparing yourself to work at some point where it's like, now I have all of these materials to play with in like a couple of weeks and I have no idea what I'm going to do with them, but it's like, mm-hmm. it it's gets the juices flowing without having mm-hmm. to like flex too hard. That sounds really amazing. It's cool that you could find like a creative thing with like your job. Like I know that yeah. mm-hmm. sometimes like having a day job can feel like a little bit mundane or Mm. Well, I I used to do kitchen work. Mm-hmm. It made a good amount of money, uh, but I was so spent. And I kept taking these jobs that yeah. set my alarm <laughs> off at like three in the morning. And I was like, oh, Oof. then I'm going to be done with work by noon. And I'm going to have the whole rest of the day to paint. And I was just That's what I was like at spent. Starbucks. Yeah. And you I, never I would do like energy. the opening. Nope. And your never. feet fucking hurt like you never. Swollen. like i'm just like am i 90 like already like i just yeah 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 i i completely agree farming is (laughs) different because i actually come home and feel energized because i've been outside Mm -hmm. all day and so i don't yeah Yeah. when it's nice out i don't feel guilty coming home and just being in the studio for hours because i've already been outside i've already used my body and it's also this is the first time i've had a part-time job since college and it's really nice not yeah. working <laughs> like some, 40 some hours nice a week. room to breathe yeah yeah that probably exactly. helps a lot with your art process too is like not yeah. not feeling like all your energy needs to go to something you don't necessarily care about which mm-hmm. yeah i feel like we've all been there and it's just it's it's soul crushing and like that's one of the reasons i like needed to quit my job just before like obviously i didn't know covid was going to be what it was but i quit my job like pretty much two or three months before covid hit and i just i told my mom i was like i am so depressed like i actually feel like i might die from it and like we figured something out and she you know she helped me with quitting like um i think Mm -hmm. actually around that time my grandmother passed away like four or five months before and she actually left me Mm -hmm. a little bit of money and i was like this is the time i need to do this because if i don't I'm going to continue to suffer and the art is going to continue to suffer. And I just, right. I was not feeling like myself and I, yeah, I felt like I was dying. It was, it was really bad, but also the healthiest decision I've ever made. So kudos. <laughs> the money thing is always so terrifying. And sometimes you feel very stuck in those shitty jobs just because you're like, but what am I going to, what am I going to do? And sometimes exactly. all, you, need, all yeah. you need to do is have no other option, but to make what you make. And then it'll kind of work, yeah. you know? Survival is a great motivator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, yeah. I've heard the phrase jump in the net will appear like so many times in my life. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's, that's just a saying, like whatever. But so like when I quit Starbucks, I just had a couple thousand dollars to kind of like get me through. Like, you know, I was, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to be unemployed for x amount of months like i had no no plan whatsoever i just wanted the illustration thing to work and you know i didn't know that it would but so mm-hmm. i put my two week notice in and then the same week that my last day was i got an email from jameson whiskey and they had me design a tin for the following christmas the covid christmas as i yeah. like to call it um <laughs> Uh, and uh, it paid me more than a year at starbucks yeah <laughs> hell yeah so yeah. i was like holy fucking shit like this yeah. can actually like this can actually work like yeah and i'm again just so thankful that like these little things that come 
like cross my path as I keep walking. It's just, it's unbelievable to me. And I, I just feel so grateful for, you know, all the opportunities I've had and, you know, all the hard work I've put in. It mm-hmm. feels like it's paying off. It's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I actually have never worked full time. I've always somehow spread my money enough to survive. Mm-hmm. I definitely have gotten close. Like I, I feel like I averaged about 32 hours a week and I felt like definitely like the extra money would have made my life a little bit easier. But I also was like, but then if I worked more, like I couldn't do my art and yeah. right. I would rather suffer and not have as much money in order to make this work quicker. Mm-hmm. It's just such a strange balancing act trying to figure out life, you know, after college and, and it's such a hard path too. Cause I think about people that went to school for not creative things and, you know, they get jobs right off the bat and, you know, never have that time to like, not know what money feels like, if yeah. that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, you know, they oh, go yeah. into it and have like a salary already. And it's just, I don't think we get enough credit. And, uh, in fact, <laughs> I know right. we don't get enough credit. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember the way that people would look at me at Starbucks when I said, oh, I'm an artist. Cause they would like ask me what I do. And they're like, yeah, sure you are. Like, they yeah, look, look at you like, yeah, like, yeah. oh, and by the way, you forgot a pump of this or you forgot like extra milk or, you well, know, whatever. Ugh. That used to happen all the time at the coffee shop that Julia and I worked at. Mm-hmm. People be like, oh, what do you do? And it's like, I'm a musician. And <laughs> they don't want to really be like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Like, like what, why are you asking? You know what I mean? Exactly. You don't want to know, don't ask. Projection you know? to make themselves like, feel better. Like, right. Right. Again. But at yeah. the end of the day, right, you're making shit that's going to extend past yourself. Mm-hmm. And money doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care how much money you make. It doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you putting into the world? That's mm-hmm. like a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know? Th- that's always been a massive like uh, influencer for me. It's just like, I've always wanted to have my work be known. I never really thought about like if money would come with it. I mean, it's nice that it does, but mm-hmm. I've always kind of just like, I've wanted to do art that would be recognized and, yeah. you know, people would know me. And, and also I just feel like, um, like, I feel like I have a personality that kind of requires that. Like I, I do feel like I am my art a lot, mm-hmm. which is great, but also kind of exhausting because sometimes I feel mm-hmm. like I need to be performing to, like live up to someone's expectation of me or something because of how I put myself out there on it online or how I present myself online. And it's exhausting. Um, but no, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I I get the same feeling in music. It's like, as soon as you show up to the venue, even if there's nobody there yet, you're on the show Mm -hmm. starts. Yeah. Even if you're loading in at noon and the mm-hmm. show isn't until like you don't go on stage until 11 you load in at noon and the show is on there's people watching you mm-hmm. and if you're an idiot yeah they're gonna talk about it later yeah. you know what i mean you never like, no i totally agree and you just like feel like you need to i don't know just like be on and it's exhausting for mm-hmm. me because i'm the type of person that like I'm an introvert, but an extrovert kind of. And like, I enjoy being out and seeing people, but I need like a lot of recharging afterwards. And a lot of the times I like just like laying on my couch and not talking to anyone. And it's the best thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) Like like I'm all set. Like that's all I need. But um, 
I don't really go to openings really very much anymore, but like when I was new alumni, like when I was new to the alumni of mass art, like I, you know, I would go back to like the thesis shows and stuff and catch up with all the teachers and, you know, see all the new kids work. And, um, I don't know. I just would, I would be there for about 10 minutes and I'd be like, okay, well, I did it and I need to go home now. Like, but yeah. you know, in reality you need to be there, you know, for an hour. I immediately am like, this was a bad idea. I feel like very antisocial now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like uh, when I'm just at home, I'm like quite quiet and like not really out there. But mm-hmm. like when I'm around people, I do feel like, you know, I got to pump it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm which is great and fine. Like, I don't, you know, I don't mind, you know, being myself, but like, I do get very tired from it. And it's just like, I need to Mm -hmm. find like some kind of happy medium there because like, I don't know, there have been shows that I've been to where I'm like, why the fuck am I here? I don't belong. Like everyone just feels like so rooted in the art world. And like, and then there have been other shows that I've been to that feel far more casual and like, like all my friends are there or, you know, all the people that I've wanted to meet are there and I don't feel like I need to put a monocle on or a top hat <laughs> and yeah. swing a cane yeah. on my finger and yeah. Um, mm-hmm. all Do a little song stuff. and dance. Yeah. Yep. And those, those types of environments are comfortable for me, but you know, I always still feel like I need a bit of recharging afterwards. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a lot. The show performance for me is like, that's when I feel most myself. Mm, like I don't okay. have to, I don't <laughs> have to cool. like put on anything, you know, mm. like I'm kind of similarly quiet mm. and I like keeping myself. So when you're in a large social setting, like I need to have my thing that I do. Mm-hmm. And if I can do that, I feel like, like, okay, this is, everybody knows now this is what you are. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You don't have to like convince them the show just speaks for itself you do what you do on stage and then afterwards i feel really like i feel like i can talk to anybody mm. but before then i'm like a mess yeah that's actually <laughs> like, really interesting yeah. like you almost feel like you have to like not to say this in a derogatory way but you almost feel like you need to prove yourself to that crowd and then that kind of you know your talent shines through and then you know, people know like what you can yeah. do and like what you're all about. Yeah. Or they, they can like catch your, again, like your vibe. It's like, yeah, mm. exactly. Like I don't have to explain anything. Just check the show out. That's yeah. me. Yeah. That's it. But you do know? you feel like yeah. it changes when people are watching you? Like when you're in a practice room or if you guys are recording or like if, if mm. you guys are practicing versus when you're on stage in front of a crowd like is it does all the magic come together with the lights and the crowd and everything or does or is it a little bit more of a you know a little, I mean, little hip <laughs> <laughs> well <You know? laughs> I, I can't say there's an extra level of adrenaline but i'm a massive proponent of practicing like you play a show so okay. like with my band lesser glow which is real heavy I leave practice in pain from like going as hard as possible. And it I feel the same way when I leave a show. Sure. You know what I mean? It's like for me, it's like 
if you want to put on the best show possible, you got to put on the best show possible to nobody in your practice space. Mm-hmm. Other people in the band aren't like that. And they're like, dude, you got to relax, man. We're just practicing. <laughs> and I'm like, like, like sweating and just gross, you know? But for me, it's like, again, it's that experience where I, that's when I feel most myself. Mm-hmm. When I'm like smashing around and like sweating and like, that's when I feel like I can say what I need to get out of my system. And it doesn't, for me, it doesn't change between the rehearsal space and the show, Mm -hmm. except for like, I probably go unknowingly like way harder at the show. You know what I mean? Like, because there's like that mob mentality, you know, that everybody kind of gets into when you're in a crowd and the energy is like, you feel more of the reciprocation Mm -hmm. and more of the the communal aspect. Like connection piece. Yeah. It's, that's where the exchange happens, you know? Mm-hmm. So I guess like, I don't want to say the equivalent for visual art would be Instagram, but I guess that's like where the masses kind of are right now. Mm-hmm. So like, Krista, when you're making stuff, do you have that in mind when you're making stuff? Or is mm-hmm. it a total afterthought of like, oh, I should post something. Let me th- flip through my sketchbook. Or like, um, It's probably a little bit of both. I hate to say sometimes I curate based on what I think people would find funny, but I mean, that's half of it. But sometimes yeah. if I feel like it's been a while since I've posted anything, I, like I will, you know, go through a sketchbook and see if there's something that I've never shared and just kind of post that. But I actually, I actually think that the equivalent of what Andrew was talking about is like, um, if I'm at like a physical art gallery opening and, you know, I have work in the show, like, I like to like go in the corner and just like watch people like react to my work or um, like when we had the red cap party in LA, like they had a bunch of my stuff for sale and just like seeing people like walking to the register with, you know, some of the stuff in their hands. It's just like, that's my God. Yeah. It kind of like gets my heart pounding a little bit. And it's just like, you get that like fight or flight kind of feeling which is somebody's like, I want to take this home with me. Yeah. I want to give this to someone as a gift or like, I want to hang this in my house. It's just like, it's, I don't know. It's weird. It's really Mm -hmm. weird. (laughs) Do you mind talking to people about your work? Cause that, that's when I get like kind of squirmy. Like I, I love watching people react, but like talking about them, like, uh, I would there. definitely prefer to just keep watching and not go up to yeah. them because I, yeah. that's just the nature of who I am. But, um, you know, there have been plenty of shows where I've gone with business cards or postcards or something and specifically given them to people that I think would be really cool to get to know. Mm-hmm. I still don't have an elevator pitch nailed down. Like, I don't really know how to talk about my work. So I kind of struggle on that aspect, but I do like you know, I, I go into it saying like, Hey, I love what you do. I do some things that are kind of similar. And I think, you know, if we ever got together for a collaboration, like, I think we could make something really beautiful together, you know, something like that. And then just kind of, that's a great elevator pitch. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, but like, I don't know how to say like, Hey, I like to make funny art. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, (gasps) Hey, like, I, I don't know. I make things that look like they're in the seventies, but also like funny. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, I I still feel a bit awkward about that. Um, But I I feel like it's a good thing that your work is loud enough 
you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. It does. It does definitely speak for itself. And I don't feel like I need to explain anything, which is great. And that's something I really hate about art is like just the, I want to make something really deep and hard to understand, but also like something that someone would interpret a different way. Like I, I think there's a time and a place for that, but I'm not a part of it. And I have always kind of rolled my eye at like that type of like, like it must have a deep meaning in order for other people to connect with it. And I guess I'm saying that because like I work in like the decorative realm of illustration, like a lot of my stuff Mm -hmm. is licensed because it looks a certain way or, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. being commissioned to make something um that would fit a certain vibe i'm not you know i'm not looking to have like extremely deep meaning behind my work um and i think that's kind of why i poo poo that that side of um (laughs) art um well i think the premeditation part of that sounds like like that's the part that sounds like because i mean if if there is if there are multiple layers to something or if you connect to something and don't necessarily have the words to describe why, I think that's fucking awesome. But if mm-hmm. somebody going into something like, all right, this is it. Like, I don't know. It it There is a level of like self-importance of like, okay, this next one's going to be a deep one. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. kind of just like, we're all just kind of putting ourselves out there. And if it ends up having multiple layers and does that for somebody, great. Mm-hmm. But I, I think know. without realizing it, you're already doing that even if you're like treating it as playful like your color palettes and all of your arrangement choices and all of that stuff have a very specific statement to them that shows through your entire body of work from what i looked at Mm -hmm. the idea of someone saying like it needs to have a deeper meaning Mm -hmm. or whatever i think if you just make things and continue to make them the meaning is there yeah you know there's a reason why it's happening Yeah, Yeah. I totally agree. I think I just, um, sometimes I just think about like that cliche of like art school or like an artist and like, what are they? And like, you know, I, I just, I like that I've kind of found my own definition of that through the years. And like, like, I don't feel like I need a beret on and I don't feel like I need to hold like, you know, like the stupid, like Google image search artist, like, like, I don't, (laughs) like stock photos. Yeah, exactly. Like I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm defining my own, you know, what that means to me kind of thing. And I I find, I find a lot of comfort in that. And Mm -hmm. I really enjoy when clients come to me and they, they feel that I have a notoriety for, you know, the volume of what I give a client when I work with them. And I, I, I really appreciate that because it's something that's really important to me. And sure. I, I feel like sometimes maybe I give more than what I need to, but I also think, you know, that that's really helped me forge my path like a lot. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just, you know, (laughs) still trying to figure things out, but I feel like as time goes on, like it's, you know, I'm finding a lot more comfort in all of it. Um, Mm -hmm. That's great. The one thing that we've learned from all of these episodes is that everybody's just still kind of winging it yeah, and they find things yeah. they find I, things that work and they hang on to them yeah and i keep feel like i'm it faking that. it all the time like i just am yeah. like what's going on i don't know let's just keep going like yeah i i don't know <laughs> i think I, I've, i felt a lot better i don't even remember where i read it but i read somewhere that like we as humans aren't things you know like 
we are not artists. We make art, you know, we aren't mm -hmm. things, we do things. And mm -hmm. I felt so much comfort in that because I didn't need to like, I don't know, wear that beret, you know? You don't have to be a caricature of what an artist is supposed to be. You don't have to like fill a position as an mm -hmm. identity. Mm -hmm. You can just do the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I want to do everything. Right. I want to do animation so bad. Like, my absolute dream project would be to do, like, a music video with a band that I love. Music mm. videos were a huge, huge thing for me growing up. And, like, still, anything with animation in it, I'm just, like, amazed that they, like, hired either an illustrator or an animator to create a story that goes with that piece of music like i just think that right. is unbelievable and then mm -hmm. i also really want to do like you know that kind of leaks into like animations that you could make to be projected behind a band when they're performing live like across the oh, country yeah. or whatever like i there's so many bands that i follow and love that do that and i don't know how to get to that next level where i can find that kind of opportunity but that is like a huge thing and like band merch and you know stuff like that um yep i'm actually starting a dream project right now and i i don't know that i can Sick. name it by you know like mention any names but um it's gonna be for like bedding and like um, bedroom yeah. kind of decor and I've oh, sick. I've always wanted to do sheets and pillows and blankets and stuff like that so it's it's a little overwhelming because it's like the time has come and like now I need to perform to my maximum potential and I, you know I'm just I'm a little intimidated by it but I I'm really excited because I feel like you know it'll should things go the way that they're planned to go um you mm -hmm. know it could open mm -hmm. so many other doors and I, I feel like I'm, you know, sometimes intimidated by my dreams, but they've also been like the hugest thing that has kept me going. Like I just have so many, so many things I want to do before I finally die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which is also sure. a huge motivator. Like I yeah. always yeah. think about yeah. like, oh, like I could die like today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bye guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Not to be morbid, but like, I don't know, it's remembering true, that is like such a huge thing for me because it's like, I need to do as much as I can with, you yeah. know, with the time that I have and you don't know when that time ends and I You don't have know. to acknowledge that. Yeah. For sure. It's, it's I find heavy, it very but it's like, relaxing. yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't even think about it. And then when they're finally dying, they're like, holy shit, I'm fucking dying. And then, you know, they panic. And that, like, mm -hmm. that, yeah. I don't know. It's just something you have to come to terms with. And it's very mm -hmm. fucking weird, but it's it happens to everyone. And yeah. I don't know. I just think that, like, you know, I'm almost 30. I'm not panicking that I'm thir almost 30 or anything like that. Like, I don't give a shit about age and I don't think age matters. But it does when you think about, you know, how much time you have to continue what you love. Like, I don't, yeah. mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of aging whatsoever. I'm actually welcoming it. I think it's cool that it happens. And I I think about that a lot. I feel like aging allows you to continue to have perspective. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yep. if you didn't get older, there's no perspective on anything. You mm -hmm. can't reflect, you know what I mean? Because everything mm -hmm. is like the fucking same. You know, in thinking about that, have you ever been to an ossuary? You know what these are? No. They're like these 
tombs under the ground, like massive burials areas that are decorated with human remains. Uh, really? Where one. can I find one of these? <laughs> uh, they're they're mostly. I don't think there's any in the United States, but oh, the one that it. I went to. Okay. <laughs> the one that I went to was in Brno in the Czech Republic, and okay. super interesting. It was like there was some widespread disease, and they buried a bunch of people underneath a church. And after these people all passed, there was like ten thousand remains down there. Yeah. They took all their remains and built like pillars and like decorated the arches and the ceiling and made like chandeliers. That's so cool. So. This particular one in Brno got sealed up and for like hundreds of years, people just forgot that it was there. And they wow. were looking to make a parking garage in the center of the city under the church. And they did like a scan of the ground and they were like, there's a bunch of organic matter down there. <laughs> so and then they like, bodies. <laughs> yeah, I love like, that it was called organic matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, that's but all we are. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, so, it's true, but so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, right. But I went there, and man, there was this like I don't know where any of the speakers were, but there were these speakers playing this like the saddest, like slowest cello music ever. And I spent like two hours down there. Yeah, and I was just like so calm and completely relaxed, and just yeah. like that's it. That's yeah. what we are. That's literally it. And there's 10,000 of us down there. To me, it was the most soothing experience of my mm. life. Yeah. Because it's like, do the shit that you fucking love. Pursue it without wavering. Yeah. Because no matter what, that's it. You're just like, it, the amazing thing was how similar everything looked. Like mm. there were thousands of skulls on the wall in there. And Nobody really looks that different at the end of everything. Mm -hmm. So you have what you do and you have what you make and that's it. Yeah. If you can take wow. a trip and go to one of those, there's some in France. There's, uh, I think the most in the Czech Republic. If you can go, you got to do it. It'll change yeah. your life. I've always been really interested in mortality and like, quite honestly, like gross things. Like I have a couple books about like disgusting plagues and dental work and you know gross shit like mm -hmm. that but i i've always found that kind of stuff really interesting um in high school uh we were shown the movie um dead poet society with um, robin williams and mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys have seen that but the main phrase the main learning point in that movie is carpe diem seize the day so i was shown that i think as a junior in high school and like I became really obsessed with that mindset and like, you know, to the point where I was like, I need to fucking hustle and make this dream happen because there's no fucking way I'm ever being a lawyer. There's no way I can't do yeah. it. And I, yeah. I like, you know, I, I just, I found a lot. It's a really like kind of depressing movie a little bit, but it's, it just, it teaches you so much about like thinking about your own mortality and, and, hmm you know, the end of life and just like trying to cram as much goddamn stuff into it while you can kind of thing. Yep. Um, but so that yep. was like, that was a huge, like pivotal kind of um, moment for me when I like growing mm -hmm. up, just like thinking about making shit happen. So 
Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. One thing that we didn't talk about that I saw on your website was the Ghost Machine app. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love talking about <laughs> it's that. It's so cool. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for checking that out. Um, so Ghost Machine is actually an idea from my boyfriend, Rob. A couple of years ago, I started just like drawing these weird ghosts with hats on. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, I don't really have a reason, but, um, I don't know. I, I noticed that I had like five or six of them in my sketchbook and, you know, sh- I think I was showing him and he said like, so, my, so Rob is, is, a, a he does coding and, um, it work and, and that kind of stuff. Okay. And, but he, ha- he also has like a large affinity to video games and, and, you know, loves doing that on the side and is actually building his own video game right now, which is really cool. Hell but yeah. so he approached me and he's like, well, why don't we like make a dress up game for ghosts? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. Like I actually was pretty skeptical of it. And I, you know, at the time was probably busy, you know, doing things that needed to get done first. And I, I I was probably a bit skeptical about, you know, my timing and you know, how, how could I make it work? But eventually he convinced me and, uh, so I drew, I, I like kind of made myself a ghost template on my iPad and then I drew like 40 different hats or something. I don't know the number, but 40 different hats, 40 different patterns to have on the sheets of the ghost. And we're talking like classic, like sheet ghosts. Um, yeah. and then <laughs> yeah. I drew like 40 different faces that the ghost could have and 40 different shoes that the ghost could have. And so when you, it's ghost-machine.com. Um, when you go to that website, it pops right up and there's just a, like a little floating ghost in the middle of the screen and you can change its face and its sheets and, um, the other things that I mentioned, the shoes and, you know, all that, all that stuff and the hats that they have hats yeah. too. Um, yeah. and so we, we kind of built like a super rough version of it. Cause I was like a little skeptical of like, we could get it to look you know, a certain way. I, I wanted it to seem like a legit, like put together game. And I just, I didn't know mm-hmm. like if, you know, us coming together to work on something would render what I was envisioning, but it mm-hmm. ended up working out great. And, um, Rob has been really cool and encouraging with it. And, um, we we were actually thinking about porting it over to, um, uh, the app store so we can like maybe get some money from it. Uh, cause we worked Hell really yeah. hard on it, but, um, yeah. And I was thinking like, you know, now, now I'm feeling a little bit better about my sense of pattern and stuff, like updating it with newer, you know, options mm-hmm. and stuff, but it's really cool. And we built in an, um, an option to take a photo of your ghost and then you can like <laughs> share it on Instagram and it has the yeah. um, hashtag on it that you can share it with. So we can like see what your ghost looks like. Um, and then there's a That's randomization so cool. button, which is really cool too, that like lets you do like. If you hit the, um, I think it's like a dice icon. If you hit the dice icon, it just does like random shit. And like, you can see like what your random ghost looks like. And we've actually played with it a lot and it's super fucking funny. Like, <laughs> like I, like I have like cat ears on it. I have like, like, I don't know, like some drunk looking face and like, I don't know. You, you gotta go on there. It's, it's funny. It's I great. promise yeah. I won't be let down. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually, uh, now that we're talking about stuff that's on your website, um, I thought of another question, which was uh, I really enjoyed the 
videos that you did that were just compilations of stuff from your sketchbook. Mm -hmm. And as a musician, I'm always somewhat weary to let people in on the early stages of the process. Is that ever intimidating to you? Are you really selective about that kind of stuff? Um, A little bit. I don't really share like my well i mean with this with the sketchbooks that i do have on my website they're very complete and they feel like full pieces so i don't Got mind it. sharing those but like sometimes with like phrases or ideas that i have for like future paintings i don't really share those because i do get a bit worried that like maybe somebody that feels a little too influenced by my work might see that and be like trying to beat me to the chase or something mm. um, Got it. Got but that, i feel like that's just like natural like dumb paranoia Mm -hmm. but yeah i don't i don't really share like my super preliminary sketches uh, just just out of fear of that Mm. i i'm curious how you get over that idea of like preciousness and kind of the like uh the white page jitters and like Mm -hmm. trying to make things too polished in kind of more of a journal setting i solved it by having two sketchbooks (laughs) There you go. Mm. I have one that I have one that I'm like kind of strict about, and then I have one that I don't care about, and I just do whatever I want in it. And if it turns out cool, that's great, and I don't have to feel bad if it doesn't. Like the ones that you guys saw on my website were they're the pristine ones that like seem like a full portfolio. And I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't really share the ones that kind of have the sketches or like the the preliminary ideas in them, but. I like to dabble in both if I'm feeling a certain way. Like I don't, you know, I, I have made that rule, I guess, for myself, like where I'm like only allowed to do certain things in the sketchbook versus this one. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I just, I like to have it separate, I guess. Makes yeah. sense. Word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like good. looking at my notes. I don't think I have any more questions. I think we kind of covered Do you have, uh, is there anything that you wanted to speak on that we, that we haven't asked you about? Uh, maybe just, uh, I always like when I do talks at like NASA or anything like that, I always like to end by saying like, I feel like a really anxious person a lot of the time. And like, I grew up kind of like being unsure, like how to talk to people and like really like let people know who I am as a person. And I feel like I still, you know, I still am really like intimidated by like maybe other people's perceptions of me or something like that. But somehow I've powered through that and I've not let that affect you know, my, like my career path. And I, I just, I think like the most important thing about all of it is just like giving yourself that constant push to just keep doing it. And even if it's uncomfortable, you kind of have to do it because it's like, I don't know, I've, I've just found a lot of success and like being scared, but still doing it. And Hmm. it kind of always proves me wrong. Like, like I, I always thought like, it's strange to walk up to someone or send someone anonymously like mail and just say like, Hey, we should work together. But so far it's worked every time I've done Mm -hmm. it. And I just feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, if I had let that fear stop me from doing it, then maybe I wouldn't have, you know, found all these really cool projects to work on and be a part of. Yep. And so I think, I think my biggest um, advice is just like, don't let yourself feel intimidated by, you know, your, maybe your anxiety or whatever, talking to people, um, because you never know, like, what opportunities might present themselves if you just kind of push through that and, you mm-hmm. know, push that to the wayside and just do it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. Really great. Well, um, <laughs> we always wrap up the same way. 
um, mm -hmm. and we are going to ask you for um, three artists that you've been looking at, that you always have looked at, that you think might want to chat or just mm -hmm. that people should spread some love to. Any sure. medium, any anything. I wrote these down ahead of time because I'm Great. really bad at being yeah. on the spot with names. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my first one is an illustrator named Brian Blommer. I believe he's Pups in Trouble on Instagram. I <laughs> fell in love with this band called North Americans, and they do this insane, like really nice atmospheric music. Um, I like to listen to it at night. I like to listen to it when I'm sketching. It really like sets my mind at ease. And so Brian did the album art for these albums and they're very rainbow. I don't want to compare it to like grateful dead. Cause that kind of falls into a niche, but it's just like mm. very rainbow, beautiful illustrations of these characters. And they're almost a little bit similar to like an older Disney character kind of vibe. Um, but they're all kind of interacting in these scenes and, um, as I, as I learned about his work, I uh, began to collect, I have both albums that have, you know, his work on them. And then I realized he actually has a book out and it's a graphic novel about one of the world's first acid trips. And I'm still, uh, I haven't looked, I haven't like read it yet, but it is beautiful. Brian's work is insane. And I, you know, I tell him this all the time, how, how crazy he is, but I really don't know that he you know fully grasps that <laughs> yeah, yeah but um I, you know i'm starting to collect his work and i i have another um smaller like zine type um newspaper that has his work that i just got and it's just unbelievable his work is great check him out second illustrator is my friend bijou carmen uh who i actually uh became friends with through instagram um, I've met her a couple times um, in person. And she's just so pleasant to be around. She's extremely mm. hardworking. Um, she does a lot of fashion illustration, um, very design oriented, but also she does a lot of painting. Uh, her work is very 60s, 70s. Um, she's just like kind of legendary as far as like modern illustration goes. And, and you know, it's been a real pleasure, like kind of getting to know her through the internet. Um, Mm -hmm. She, I, I really look up to her because I know, I know just how hardworking she is. She's, she's killing it. Um, awesome. I really recommend her. I think, I think her handle is Bijou Carmen on Instagram. Um, and then the third one is my friend Lacey McAuliffe. She actually owns Big Bud Press, um, which is a very seventies flavored rainbow kind of clothing company based in Los Angeles. Her and her husband Philip are the brain power behind that. And Lacey uh, does a lot of the patterns and prints that are on the big bud press clothing. And recently she's kind of like also uh, leaked into the like physical art realm. Um, I oh. actually own, I own like a little lemon that she did. It's like a little woodcut lemon with its tongue sticking out. You know, I've, I've had the pleasure of working with Lacey and Philip and they've been fantastic. And I, I really admire Lacey because we're always kind of on the same wavelength. Like sometimes I'll be working on something and she'll message me and she's like, I'm working on something that's so similar to that. And it's just, <laughs> it's really funny. Um, but yeah. yes, I, I totally recommend um, big bud press and Lacey's work at big bud press on Instagram. And I think at Lacey McAuliffe on Instagram. So I love them Excellent. all. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for coming and chatting with us. This was really, really great. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciated uh, chatting with you. Hell yeah. Absolutely. It was nice to, to hang out. Thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning in to episode 30 of The Seedcast, featuring artist and illustrator Krista Perry. For more information about our show and our guests, both previous and upcoming, please follow us at The Seedcast on Instagram or email us at casttheseed at gmail.com. We'll have another great chat for you coming up in a couple weeks. Stay tuned in.